0: Help me to make Kip your favorite Friday podcast. Now, let's get started. Hello, hello, everyone. I want to welcome you to this podcast. Uh, Thank you for tuning in. All of the Kingdom Influencing Nation uh, listeners all around the globe. We have over 16 countries listening to this podcast, 17 if we add the United States of America, and I am very, very appreciative of the work that God is doing in the earth and the work that you're doing, uh, sending this podcast to your friends and colleagues, family around the globe. Today, we want to talk about divide and conquer, divide and conquer, and it's a very polemical topic, and we're going to try to explore it on a uh, variety of levels, but I want to start simply with a story that my, my mother taught me, or an adage. I don't know if you want to call it a story, an adage, or a lesson, but when I was very, very, very young, I would say uh, preteen, she pulled me up, and she said this to me, and this is something that I will never forget. She simply said to me that there are good and bad in every race of people. And she spent time sharing this from a unique perspective, particularly since she was raised in the South, in uh, Alabama and in Georgia. And the funny thing about her raising in the South is that she actually experienced the Klan burning uh, crosses on her yard but then on the other hand uh, when she transitioned to the state of Connecticut as a very young woman she was domestic she was a domestic for a Jewish family and I remember their name uh, and they were uh, the Sidorsky's and they were very very kind of my mother And gave my mother an opportunity to get a start in the state of Connecticut, and she would go on to own her own business as an entrepreneur. But the point of the matter is, she taught me that and in a backdrop, out of a backdrop that was contrary to even believing something of that nature. Matter of fact, when I was 16 years old, I was driving in Alabama, and uh, there was a seemingly what I thought was a police car behind me with a blue light and I pulled over on a very, very dark road and come to find out that it wasn't a police car, but it was actually a group of teenagers playing a prank with a police light. But nevertheless, when I got home, my uh, grandfather and my uncles gathered around the table and said to me, that I should never ever, as long as I live, pull over on a dark Alabama road uh, for police, uh, that I was to drive them all the way to their home and then they would address whatever situation or aid me in addressing whatever situation that uh, yielded the fact that I needed to be pulled over. So that's kind of the backdrop in which uh, my mother grew up and uh, I've come to learn Uh, many, many lessons in my life that there are good and bad people in every race. And I want to uh, make sure that even in this climate that we're in today, and we are in uh, some kind of a climate, uh, I'm thinking about Derek Chauvin and I'm thinking about the trial uh, and the things that have transpired uh, since the conviction, but I remember uh, April 20th, uh, 2021, uh, when Derek Chauvin was convicted on all the counts concerning the death of George Floyd. But the world, you got to understand something, the world waited with bated breath because, as, overwhel- as overwhelming as this evidence was against Derek Chauvin, um, there was still a possibility that he might not be convicted. It's not uncommon in our country for atrocities to be committed against people of color in our society and nothing be done about it. As a matter of fact, we can go all the way back to Jamestown and trace it here, you know, over 400 years of atrocities committed against the African American race. And um, it can make you feel some kind of a way. Um, we could look at Emmett Till and a lot of people have been talking about that and the the Till family came alongside of the Floyd family uh, during this trial because both of them had experienced uh, their children being uh, brutally brutally murdered. Uh, But if you don't know who Emmett Till is, he was a 14 year old boy who was from Chicago, at least the Chicago area. He was killed in Mississippi in 1955. I personally met members of the Emmett Till family And I was able to hear how he was snatched from his bed with no address for his family, who was helpless during this common practice in the South. And he was merely just visiting. He was accused of either whistling or or winking or addressing a uh, store owner's daughter or a wife, I believe it was, um, in Mississippi. And when they came to get him that night, there was no justice, there was no adjudication, there was no due process, there was no advocacy, just a system of Jim Crow violence that rampaged the South, an unrelenting oppression that uh, really got its roots in uh, deconstructionism uh, right after the Civil War. But... um, here we are, that was 1955, 66 years later. We're still in a polemical situation as a community, uh, pondering you know, what's gonna happen uh, in the event that if you are a person of color and you're pulled over, you wonder sometimes whether or not you're gonna survive uh, a simple uh, traffic violation. But the point of the matter is that That is true on one hand, but on the other hand, we also have to realize that there are police officers around uh, the United States of America and around the world who are not uh, in this um, vindictive group of individuals who wear the blue uniform and who have families and who lay their life on the line every day and will lay their life on the line for for you, for me, regardless of our color of our skin, um, our race, our religion, our background, our gender. And we have to be sensitive not to commit what we call the fallacy of composition. Let me explain to you what the fallacy of composition is. And I think this will help you and it helps me and it ties back into what my mother said. It simply says this, that's what's true of one particular individual or one uh, uh, setting or situation is not true of all of them. So in other words, you can't take one situation or one person and then make a blanket uh, uh, characterization or blanket uh, attribute that everyone who's wearing a police uniform and a badge is like Derek Chauvin. That's what we have to be careful of. And I think those of us who have uh, family, friends, or who grew up in an era where there were uh, beat police who walked your community, who kept you safe, uh, without fear of violence, without fear of police brutality, I think we know that those people exist in the world. So we really, really have to be careful. But here we are 66 years later, and Justice for Black People in America uh, in the theater of our justice system, is still a flip of the coin. We don't know which way it's going to go uh, with the shooting up in uh, Wisconsin, with a young man was shot six times in his back. Uh, that police officer was released. I don't know all the details, and many times we don't know all of the details, um, but there are a lot of times where the evidence is just You know, how do you get in a police van in Baltimore, uh, Mr. Gray, and not come out alive? Uh, You know, there's a lot of uh, gray area there and not, no pun intended, no pun on words, no pun intended, but how does that happen? How does that happen that a young man gets pulled over for a traffic stop, uh, Dante, and you can't perceive whether or not you have... A Glock in your hand or a Taser, and you've been under force 26 years. So there are these inconsistencies in these stories, and sometimes inconsistencies in the way that people are dealt with. I've had an opportunity to watch a few videos, and I'm just going to talk today uh, from my heart. But I watched a few videos, and I saw one video where there was a a white gentleman who was being arrested. He uh, over came the police officer, and was literally beating a police officer, uh, another white officer, and uh, a black man came to the rescue of the uh, white police officer, subduing the white gentleman who uh, was, of course, attacking uh, the police officer, giving him all of the articles of, I think it was, I'm not sure if it was his uh, baton back or, or what it was, but whatever he was using to subdue that man, the black man gave it back to the police officer and then he was able to get the situation back under control. But the, the point I'm making is there was no violence there. There was another video I saw where, uh, again, a, a white assailant uh, violently attacked police, uh, got out of his car, they're telling him to, you know, freeze and stop and he just keeps coming and eventually uh he gets in his car uh takes off crashes into at least one maybe two police cars and uh there was a violent altercation that took place but he was never shot he was he i believe he got arrested i don't know how how long that uh, transpired i don't think the video showed the end of uh the situation but the point of the matter is that he did more than enough uh, to be shot. I saw another video where the uh, sailor, again, another white young man, uh, took to beat the police, one police officer took his billy club, it uh, uh, was beating the female police officer, then he takes their car, and I'm abbreviating and just kind of getting to the point, but he takes the police car, the police get him at the door, he locks the door, no Taser was drawn, no gun was drawn, and he drives off. So we, there's definitely some inconsistencies, and 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 I know the statistics. I know the statistics. I've looked them up. Overall, and I don't know if a lot of a lot of people are aware of this, but there are more white men shot and killed by police officers than there are black men. But we're talking about statistically, we're somewhere between. 11 to 14% of the US population. So statistically, we are incarcerated more statistically, we are shot more uh, on, on, on an average as a smaller statistical universe. And, and that bears witness and that's a problem. Um, but I want you to look at something. I want us to stop for one minute because what I'm talking about is the narrative of what we see in America today uh, it's not a easy pill for anybody to swallow, particularly uh, people of color, but I, I want you to see some things, and I, I want to share this with you, because we have to make sure we look at the bigger picture, and yes, black lives do matter, no doubt in my mind. Uh, they definitely matter, and something definitely needs to be done about this, and I'm going to talk about that towards the end. Is, there's a, some soul tree that I'm gonna share with you, uh, poetry for the soul, but I, I just want us to also know that we need this this fork, if you will. There needs to be protesters, no doubt. There needs to be, but the protesting needs to be peaceful. We don't need to burn up anything we don't need to kill anybody. There doesn't need to be violence. It needs to be peaceful. Uh, right now, I see an, a, a synergizing of all kinds of ethnic groups coming together uh, to rally for the cause of uh, African-Americans, uh, their safety, their, our lives mattering, and I am grateful. I am grateful. I don't think I've seen this many people uh, from this many ethnic groups coming together. Even in the days of Martin Luther King, there wasn't this kind of uh, uh, melting pot of people who are saying enough is enough. And so I am grateful. And I know many people in our community are grateful. But then there are other stories and there are other people who are going through different things. I saw another video and I I just want to, hop to this one because it gave me a different perspective because when you live in a particular area you live under different circumstances you view things differently and it was an altercation between a young man and a police officer the young man was his he was belligerent he was going off and the police officer tried to arrest him and he slapped his hands and don't touch me And it was back and forth, back and forth. And finally, he kind of stepped towards his car. His wife kind of intervened. There was another police officer there that he knew, but he just kept ranting and raving. And and you could feel the intense anger and the intense rage that was burning in this man's heart. Um, And it's very different when you live in an area, and I've lived in several different areas in my 50 some odd years. I've I've lived in uh, Southeast D.C. I- I've lived uh, in suburbs. I've lived in the city. I've lived on couches. I've slept on plastic bags. I mean, I know the gamut uh, of of living uh, uh, around an urban environment, and I know that they're different. How do you say it? But they're different surroundings, and they're different theaters and there are different dramas depending on where you live in this country you can live in the suburbs and never see some of this stuff you can live in the city and live with it every day i lived in dc when it was the murder capital of the world and when i was in the southeast it was like every other day the community was decorated with yellow tape because of the loss of a black life and that was black on black crime uh young men against young men and that's a whole nother story because that needs to cease and desist as well. But let me say this. Let me say this. I talked about the beginning that I'm going to talk about divide and conquer. I want to share a story with you. And I'm just going to uh, kind of paraphrase. But if we were to look at uh, Genesis chapter 3, uh, we would see uh, with Genesis chapter 2, we would see this this definitive relationship between God and Adam. And God literally uh, transfers uh, the wealth of, of real estate and transfers all of these things to to adam and the leadership and the responsibility of taking care of what he called or what we call the garden of eden but remember the garden of eden was a very 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 extensive piece of real estate three major rivers running through it so we're not talking about uh a little place we're talking about a massive place and um we know Satan comes on the scene in, in Genesis chapter three, but I want you to see what his main objective was. His main objective was to get Adam to go against God, to get Adam and Eve to go against God. Uh, so that scenario uh, in literature, in the Bible is called divide and conquer. Divide and conquer is the oldest trick of the devil. And so here, here's what I want you to get, get an understanding of in the heavens there was uh, uh, god and and there were angels and there was this one angel named lucifer who decided that he no longer wanted to uh submit to god that he wanted to be worshiped he wanted to be like god and then he and a host of a third of the angels of heaven were kicked out of heaven and so again we see this 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 motif of divine and conquer uh where Satan came against God, he was put out, but it was that division, that division that started in the heavens between God and Lucifer, or now what we would portray as good and evil, that's still in the earth today. I hear what I'm saying. There is the narrative of what we see every day. There's the narrative of the videos. I'm watching videos, you're watching videos, some good, some bad. it's you know, I saw one video where a, a guy was given to get arrested, saved the police officer, and the police officer was so grateful he let him go. So I'm saying there are different scenarios that are happening every day, but the the point of the matter is, the point of the matter is that we have to see the bigger picture, which is called the meta narrative or the overarching theme. And when we look at that, there's a spirit of divide and conquer that we have to be smarter than, that we have to understand, that we have to self-actualize, that we have to see further than just the narrative that's directly in front of us. And I'm particularly talking to those of us who are in the body of Christ, because if you're in the body of Christ, our roots must first be in Christ before you are uh, black, before you are African-American. Uh, you're a Christian, you're a believer. Now you say now you had those roots of being, you got saved after you were black. I get that. But here's the point of the matter. At the end of the day, we leave our blackness, we leave our ethnicity, we leave our culture and we answer to God. And so We have to understand the whole meta narrative of the scripture is so God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God loves all people. We have to love all people. And there are people that don't love you that we need to pray for. We need to pray. We need to pray for our community. So I want to say this. There's legislation that needs to be done. No doubt in my mind. There's marches that need to happen to, to keep consciousness and, and to keep this in the consciousness of our country. Uh, I, but there's also prayer that needs to happen to begin to break down some of the walls so that there can be dialogue. There can be conversation. There can be a come, let us reason together. There can be a time for people to. Of, of all walks of life to be able to discuss this thing. Uh, I see what's happening to my Asian brothers. I see the Senate passing a, 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 a bill, still has to go to the House. Uh, there's so many things that need to be done on behalf of black people in a similar fashion. And I think that we've suffered enough that these kinds of things should happen. But in the meanwhile, those of us who are prayer warriors need to see what we see and pray that God at the end of the day gets the last uh, last say, and we know that he will. We know that there are four pockets of what we call the, a biblical worldview, and that's the view that I'm trying to get us to have. There's the fall of man, and, and the fall of man includes this division uh, of Adam against God uh, by default. Uh, and then that falls into his family. We see Cain and Abel, they're they're going against each other. We skip to the New Testament. We see Jesus and Satan fighting in Matthew chapter four, where Satan is trying to get Jesus to turn on the father. And of course that doesn't happen. That's to no avail. And then we see Judas betraying Jesus, but that betrayal is what brought him to the cross and him going to the cross is what brings him to the re- their, their resurrection. And the resurrection is what makes our Christian faith worth living and worth dying for. So I want to say this, as we get ready to close, I'm, I'm over time. This is probably the longest podcast I've had, but I think it's very critical that we see what's in front of us, but we also see the bigger picture. And I could draw this out more. I can talk about this more. As you can see, I could probably talk about this for another uh, 30, 40 minutes, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, maybe I'll do another piece on this. And I, I'm really, 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 really have uh, started writing a book. I need your prayers because uh, I need to finish that book about this very topic, because I think it's something that we need to hear. We need to be sensitive to and we need not be uh, blinded or spiritually bullied by the enemy. So let me read uh, this book. Uh, poem as I get ready to close today. I call it Soul Tree. Poetry for the soul, all right? And I just write these and I've written many, but this is one that has been birthed out of what's going on today. This soul tree is called a keg of dynamite. A keg of dynamite. With every errant shot that sounds off around the country, dynamite is being packed in a keg. The death of one child after another in minority communities with no resolve adds dynamite to the keg. The intensity of the pain in these communities is likened unto a fire. The fire burns with rage and retaliation in the eyes and hearts of these communities. Pretty soon, the keg of dynamite will spill over, leaving an ignitable trail. When the heat of rage, retaliation, and the pain of loss merge, a fire will burn that is almost unquenchable. Only justice will put this fire out, while injustice and a callous societal response will only intensify the fire. National legislation can begin to abate the power of the keg. Justice for everyone will assuage the rage and begin to heal the pain. Let's stop the violence before the keg explodes. I I say this to all of us here who are living in different places and are different statuses and in different walks of life, to be sensitive to the walks of life of other people, to be sensitive to the plight of other people, not to just use your life as the blanket of everyone else's life or our thinking as the blanket for everyone else's thinking because people have grown up in some very unsavory situations and some very difficult situations uh, where life and death is the order of the day as opposed to something they watch on TV. And so how they deal with this may seem uh, uh, wrong to you, but in their daily situation, in their daily plight, in their daily blight, in their daily disenfranchisement, it feels like the only thing for them to do. And so those of us To know that there are people out there feeling like this, we need to pray. We need to see the handwriting on the wall. Uh, We know legislation will help, but that's not the totality of this thing. Eventually, we have to fall back and know that vengeance is mine. Say, if the Lord God will write all of these things. Remember, I told you there are four things that give us a biblical worldview. One, an understanding of the creation story, the intended purpose of of the Garden of Eden and, and Adam and Eve. Uh, Second, understanding the fall of man that we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, Three, understanding redemption, the fact that he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross to redeem us from the penalty of our sins. He is the propitiation of our sins. He is an advocate for our sins and he took on all of the sins of mankind so that we could have a right to live and not just live but live in harmony one with another because when you get to heaven the reality is there's no black and there's no white and there's no latino there's no indian there's no asian heaven there's only one heaven for a group of people who are the called out who love god with their whole heart mind and soul and have learned the construct of learning that loving their neighbor as themselves and then finally there is Uh, What we call the reconciliation Where God will reconcile the earth unto himself and all the destruction And all the demise and all the racism And all the bigotry And all the sexism and all of the different Isms that we see today Will be destroyed And God's justice Will be in place in The earth and in the heavens So we have that to look forward to Listen I've enjoyed my time with you Uh, Thank you for indulging me Uh, You've been listening to the Kingdom Influencing Podcast. I am your host, Derek L. Calhoun. I want to thank our sponsors today. I want to thank uh, Rep the Gospel, uh, one of our sponsors. Uh, You can, if you want to shop, uh, Rep the Gospel. uh, Urbanware is repthegospel.shop. Also, if you're considering taking up podcasting, you want to contact the Moments of Joy Podcast Academy. That's MOJpodcast.com. You can learn how to podcast and do what God has called you to do in this season. Thanks again for joining us, all of you who are kingdom influencers and kingdom influencers around the world. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support. We'll see you again next week right here on the Kingdom Influencing Podcast. God bless.